I thank you for this opportunity to celebrate the anniversary of my ordination and a special thanks to the uh, music ministry for learning and singing with, with great fervor, O Canada. That was, that was touching. You'll soon be able to do it without the notes or without the pages. Since the community here invited me to kind of join in celebrating my anniversary, I thought that I would offer a few reflections on those 50 years in the homily time for today. And so it won't probably take any more than a couple of hours. Um, <laughs> and since it's cool here, that'll be just fine. You will notice, those of you who are following in the uh, worship books, that I changed the readings. I took a little liberty after all of these years to change the Sunday readings for my own purpose. And so I hope that um, as I refer to them, they might, uh, they might make some sense to you as well. I was ordained 50 years ago on June 1st and the ordination ceremony took place in my home parish, which was really a very special kind of privilege. And after the, uh, the celebration of ordination, we went across the road. This is a small country parish, and the parish hall is across the road from the church, and the cemetery is next door. So we have all three important things right there. Um, and after the luncheon that was uh, hosted by the uh, women's group in the parish, my father stood up to say a few words. And he said, you know, as, as a father, you always wonder what your children are going to turn out to be. And you wonder, especially, he said, as, as the father, you wonder what the oldest son is going to, to be when, when he grows up. And so he said, I wondered what would become of Philip. He said, I wasn't sure if he was going to stay on the farm. I, that would have been nice, but he chose not to do that. But he said, his mother and I are really happy that he decided to be a priest. Then he added, you know, but I always thought that he would have chosen something more permanent. <laughs> the, the bishop just like, nearly lost his salad at that point. And, and I've never figured out to this day what my dad meant, whether that was sort of a bit of Irish humor or whether he was making a kind of wry comment on the 60s. As many of you know, there was quite an exodus of men and women from active ministry within the church during those latter years of the 60s. In any case, Dad, um, it's been pretty permanent at this point. <laughs> The Gospel reading that I chose for today takes me back to a recollection of my dad planting the seeds of grain in the field. In some of the smaller fields on our farm, instead of getting the machinery out, he often would just sling a bag of seed over his shoulder and he would walk along and throw the seed sort of wherever it would land. And I thought it was a sort of indiscriminate method, a sort of random approach to planting the spring crop. 
And like the gospel, you could see that some of the seeds fell on the path, and some of it fell in the thorn bushes, some of it fell on some rocky ground, of which our farm seemed to have enough of, and some fell on the cultivated ground and eventually produced a great harvest. There was one constant. He did this every year without fail. He had this unconditional trust in the mysterious power of the earth, the elements of nature, and the inevitability of a singular truth in farming as in life that dying always leads to resurrection. It is the truth of the gospel. It is the promise of Jesus Christ. Dad never theologized about it. He just did it. Years later, when I was studying scripture in the seminary, I came up upon this gospel and recall that kind of rhythmic pattern of Dad casting seeds of grain onto the earth. And only then, I think, I understood the analogy of Jesus' teaching. It is an understanding that uh, has shaped my ministry. And I want to suggest that it is an understanding that shapes your ministry as well. Whatever form it has taken, in whatever place it has happened, and even as it continues to unfold today. We have heard this gospel many times, and we've almost always understood that we were the earth, or the path, or the weeds, or the rocky ground, and in the latter cases, hoping that we would one day be the fertile earth. And the seed was the word of God, and Jesus was the sower. This is a worthy interpretation, and I have preached that insight many times. But I want to suggest that there's another important teaching here. We are the sowers. We are partakers of both the mission and the ministry of Jesus Christ. We are intended to bring the word of God to life. We are the sowers. I did not set out to be a sower. I did not set out to be a priest. I did not ever dream of being one. But I have no doubt that the Holy Spirit had a lot to do with my eventual journey. And the Holy Spirit, as you know, comes in different forms, different events, and different people. During Holy Week of my senior year in high school, the pastor of our parish suggested to four of us uh, graduating seniors that we should go on a vocation discernment retreat. And the best place to do that, he said, was at Regiopolis College, which was a Jesuit-run high school in our diocese. And we should go and see Father Brown. Was, that was the name of the guy. And it was expected that during the three or four days of retreat that we would have a one-on-one -on -one with Father Brown, presumably to discern the rest of our life. And so I met with Father Brown. 
And so he said, what are you going to do in September? Meaning, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? It's time to make a decision. I, I don't know, I said to him. I, I have no idea. Maybe I could be a teacher. My mother was a teacher. Um, maybe I could write something, although I had never written anything. Um, maybe I could sell something, but I wasn't very convinced about that. So he appeared clearly frustrated with this lack of decision. And he finally said to me, I think you must be waiting for the Lord to appear to you and knock you off your horse like he did to St. Paul. I said, oh, well, maybe. <laughs> and he said, but you know what the problem is, Philip? You're not even on the horse. <laughs> yeah, that was the end of our conversation. <laughs> Years later, when I was studying the writings of St. Paul in the seminary, I discovered this story, which appears in the Acts of the Apostles, and I discovered also that in the story, there's no horse. It doesn't mention a horse. It says he fell to the ground. So never trust a Jesuit to quote scripture. <laughs> I think I was like the prophet Jeremiah in our first reading, who said to the Lord, I am too young for this. I'm just a boy. The only thing I was sure of at that point in my life that my future would not have anything, anything ever, to do with public speaking. <laughs> I had been chosen to represent our school in a public speaking event, and I refused and said, never, ever will I do that. The Holy Spirit. But I have learned this. If we are ever wondering what God, what God is calling us to do, at any given moment in our lives, the answer will always be plant seeds. We are called and sent to plant the seeds of mercy in a church and in a world that needs compassion more than it needs structures and schedules. We are called and sent to plant the seeds of inclusion and hospitality in a church and in a world that often excludes and forgets when it should welcome and remember. We are called and sent to plant the seeds of respect and tolerance in a church and in a world that often and easily withholds compassion and joy. Ministry, yours and mine, is to stand in awe of God's presence and movement in the midst of life that God has set before us. God has filled us with the seeds of immeasurable love, placed us in the field, and set us about the task of planting. We have been gifted with the capacity to see possibilities, but we are not in charge of the mystery of the harvest. The new life that springs forth. Often we have no idea how that happens. When it is raining or muddy and the work is a drudgery, we are called to plant the seeds just as earnestly as on the days when the sun is warm and all is well. 
the call and the impulse of ministry is persistent. As Pope Francis tells us, ministry is always a call to go forth from our comfort zone, to move toward the peripheries of humanity. God waits at the edges of our limitations, as well as at the edges of human need. The call to ministry is hope-filled and Christ-centered. One of the most frequently asked questions of priests is, when did you decide to be a priest? The other two questions are, did you order this weather? And so, what do you do the rest of the week? And in response to, when did you decide to be a priest? I never know how much information is expected, nor do I have an inspiring story like falling off a horse, if there ever was one. And so I have reduced my response to that question over and over again to two words, this morning. Every morning, you and I start anew. Like the post-resurrection stories we heard, we heard a few weeks ago in the Gospels, they often began with the words, on the first day of the week, at dawn. There's always a new horizon, a new field, a renewed call to plant more seeds. I don't know if every person I ever baptized became a committed disciple, but I never refused the waters of new life to one who sought them. I don't know if every couple I married remained faithful in their love, but I never withheld a blessing for their future. I don't know if every word I offered in sympathy healed a broken spirit, but I always tried to be present. I don't know if every penitent I absolved extended that same mercy to their sister or brother, but I extended to them the compassion of the Lord every time. And I don't know if everyone I fed with the body and the blood of the Lord gave food to the hungry and drink to the thirsty, but I fed them again and again believing that the Lord loved them more than I ever could. And neither do you, you who are parents, know if every word of advice you give will bear fruit in later years. You always hope it will. Or those of you who are or were teachers, if every grain of wisdom that you offered would bring a rich harvest, but you still shared your wisdom. Or those of you who are or were caregivers, if every gesture of comfort would restore a crushed spirit, but you never failed to be compassionate. For those of you who are spouses or lovers, if every word and act of love would be enough, but you still loved. 
Ministry is not messiahship. It is the Holy Spirit that cultivates the human heart as surely as the Lord provides the rain and the sun to nurture and strengthen the seeds in the earth. All ministry, no matter how many years, all ministry is incomplete, even, it, even for Jesus. Or why did he send out disciples to be sowers? First 12, then 72, then a few more, and then many more, until you and I were among those sent. Ministry is nothing more and nothing less than an act of praise and thanksgiving, casting seeds, whether on the land or into the human heart. Ministry is always an act of hope. And if our hopes are not fully realized, we remember that God is God and we are not. And filled with hope, we continue to plant the word of God along the pathways of life and for everyone with the same enthusiasm that moved Jesus to plant them inside us. And there are no exceptions. We do hope that we never get in the way of the Holy Spirit. The task of planting leads to the harvest, a harvest that's placed on the table of plenty. Here at Eucharist, we are nurtured and refreshed for ministry. Personally, I can't imagine not being able to stand at the table of the Lord, gathering up what has been sown, what others have sown, and together placing our broken and blessed selves into the bread and the wine that is transformed, even as we are transformed into the body of Christ. That's what I've tried to do these many years and will as long as I am able. I can't imagine not being able to do that. It is a joy that we celebrate together. To have been able to do that so many times in so many places and with so many good people and on this day with all of you means more than you know. That's why I do this. That's why I love you. Thanks be to God and to all of you for a priesthood that we share.